Dior Johnson reinstated to the Pitt men's basketball program. Pitt plays North Carolina. The Sun Bowl, so much to talk about. Coming up on today's episode of Locked on Pitt. You are Locked on Pitt, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, folks, let's talk about a lot here in the world of Pitt sports. So much has happened. Let's start off, though, with. Pitt versus UCLA in the Sun Bowl. Let's go over a little preview of this game. I've been talked a lot about this game, and to be quite honest with you, I don't think the interest in this game is that high. I haven't really seen a lot of Pitt fans actually talking about the Sun Bowl. Now, there's enough of that intrigue there to where I've seen people talk about it, but I've heard more about, oh, what's the next transfer they're going to land? Oh, Pitt just landed Day-Day Farmer. All of these different things are especially what I've been hearing. Pitt men's basketball is facing North Carolina. And there's as much hype, if not a little bit more, see what Pitt men's basketball is going to do here in this game against Pitt and North Carolina than there is now. It's very interesting to watch. And so I don't know what you actually do when you look at and you say, huh, it's a weird game. But regardless, Pitt has a lot of opt-outs in this game. They have a lot of guys that aren't going to be playing. So it's going to be a real preview into next year, especially on the defensive side of the football. No Keaton Slovis, no Izzy Abani Kanda, no Kalaja Kansi, no Deslin Alexander, likely no Hababal Nato, no Servasier Dennis, no Brandon Hill. I mean, this is a lot of guys that pitch is not going to have. And so you look at it and you say, whoa, Pitt's going to be really down just on the deep end. Because look at what UCLA is bringing. Reportedly, Chip Kelly has said today, no opt-outs for them. They're going to have Dorian Thompson-Robinson. They're going to have Zach Charbonnet. They're going to have Jake Bobo. They're going to have all of their guys. And so that top rush offense is going to be built together while that top rush defense for Pitt's not. And so it's going to be tough. Nick Patty's going to start this game. Maybe Nate Yernell plays a little bit. We're going to see Rodney Hammond start with Sebo Flevister in the back. Jared Wayne, Gavin Bartholomew will be the main guys. In the air, I mean, but still, I mean, they Jalen Barton's not going to be playing this game, so a little depth isn't there. There's a lot of guys that aren't playing in this game, and and receivers never been a strength of this team, anyways. So it's a weird kind of predicament for Pitt to be in. I mean, the fact that they are only four and a half point underdogs to me is is fantastically insane. Um, this game should be quite honestly not very close if there are no opt-outs, as Chip Kelly says, or is Chip Kelly just playing gamesmanship? And I think that has to be taken into consideration, right? Like, really, is Dorian Thompson-Robinson, Zach Starbin, and Jake Bobo going to play? Maybe. It's possible. But you cannot not have the thought in the back of your mind that maybe this is a little bit of gamesmanship from Chip Kelly 
trying to get Pitt to be able to, you know, go in and prepare for Dorian Thompson Robinson, prepare for Zach Charbonnet and all of these guys, and they don't end up playing. So is it going to be Dorian Thompson Robinson or is it going to be Ethan Garber? Is it going to be Zach Charbonnet or is it going to be Keegan Jones? Is it going to be Jake Bobo or are we going to see a lot more of Cam Brown, for example, and Matt Sykes and all these other guys, right? And Kazmir Allen and all these other guys that are good on their team, no doubt about it. They have a really good team. But it's the question. So you look at, at UCLA, man. Really good rushing offense. Let, let's just say that first. This offense is athletic, fast, and dynamic. Dorian Thompson-Robinson has a number one receiver here and Jake Bobo. And if you've ever seen the Chip Kelly offense, you know what you're expecting here. Fast-paced, athletic, beats you laterally and horizontally, they don't beat you vertically. Um, they are really dynamic and explosive through the air when they can get their run game going to the sidelines, and they'll come right back over the middle of the field and really beat you. Um, so your linebackers have to be up to a top level. So Pitt's linebackers are going to have to play at a really high level in this game in order to win. Uh, I think that's going to be the big thing. How does Shane Simon, Tyler Wiltz, how does Bengali Kamara, Solomon to Shields, how do all these guys step up with no Cervasia Dennis? We're going to have to see this entire unit step up in a big way and play a game without their best player uh, in that unit. I think that's going to be a really tough one. But then you also look on the other side of the ball for UCLA. Okay, a lot, a lot of passing yards. Uh, I mean, their, their pass defense has not really been up to snuff, and their special teams has also been a little rough at times. They've allowed some punt blocks, and they've allowed some big returns. So can Pitt make up for it in the special teams game? That's going to be the question. Pitt special teams have been a disaster this year, obviously. We know that. Um, but this is a potential in for Pitt. They can get in that explosive play game. But Nick Patty going to have to really go after it through the air. Him and Jared Wayne have to be able to hook up. Kanani Mumfield and Bub Means have to be reliable in this game. And Gavin Bartholomew has to make a lot of plays over the middle of the field. UCLA allows the most yards per game to tight ends in the Pac-12 this season. Keep an eye on that stat. Gavin Bartholomew can get going in this game. Pitt's offense might have a chance to do something here. I think Pitt's offense has a chance to score some solid points here in this game. Uh, I just am not completely sure their defense can hold up against this UCLA offense, given the guys they're missing. And that's going to be the question, right? I mean, you really look at this UCLA team. They are fast. They're explosive. And they really, really do well on the ground. And they do allow some sacks. There's no doubt about that. Pitt has a chance to get after them with some pass rush, I think. But when you're facing the fourth best rushing offense in the nation, you're facing a really good rushing defense, too, 30th best in the nation. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough, right? But the red zone defense, too, when you get down in the red zone, UCLA doesn't really do very well there, allowing 87% of scoring opportunities to get in. I mean, that's really not a good stat for UCLA, but they have so many different players uh, that you have to worry about. I mean, you really have to worry about Kesmir Allen. You have to worry about Keegan Jones. Uh, you have to worry about Zach Charbonnet. And then, obviously, you have to worry about the legs of Dorian Thompson-Robinson on top of that. And then you have that sure-handed nature of Jake Boba that you know you've seen from Duke. It's really tough to kind of stop all of these things from coming together and really hurting you when you're missing all those guys. This would be a tough game for Pitt 
even if they had all of their guys, right? But it would have been a winnable game. I think that is very true. Um, but they are missing so many players up front. Gabe Hoy is going to be out too on the O-line. Um, I mean, there are a lot of guys they're going to be missing. But I want to talk about maybe the key to getting in on this game, and we'll talk about that. We'll also talk some Pittman's basketball with the return of Dior Johnson. But first, folks, I want to let you go about NHTSA. Drive sober or get pulled over, folks. One person is killed on average about every 45 minutes in a drunk driving crash, totaling more than 11,000 lives lost each year folks there are 209 drunk driving related deaths during christmas to new year's holiday periods every year 851 lives lost in december of 2020 make sure that you are careful when you are driving on the roads especially at this time of year it is meant for cheer but ice is out there make sure that you drive responsibly make sure you're not driving too fast certainly make sure that you never drink and drive check out nitsa.com for more information March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, folks. Let's talk about Pitt here in the symbol, their offense. We've talked about the explosive offense of UCLA and what they bring to the table. Fast-paced tempo. Um, very fast. Very good on the ground. Explosive. And they have multiple different guys that they can beat you with reminiscent of those old Oregon offenses. If you remember with the Mariota uh, with Marcus Mariota on it, you had very similar acting players uh, in that regard. When you have a Casimir Allen and Zach Charbonnet, to your, your Michael James's and Devin Allen's and all of those players, this is a really, really fast, high octane offense. Um, and so that's going to be the big thing. Pitt's defense has to step up these young D linemen. They have to play really well. Bam Brema, Dayon Hayes, Nakai Johnson. The interior has to step up. Without Kalaja Kansi, you got to see the vets like David Green and Devin Danielson and Tyler Bentley play at a really high level. Maybe you're going to see some Elliot Donald in this game. I think that'll be very fun to see. You're going to see a lot of the young ends. Maybe Samuel Oak and Lola, who I've heard really good things about. At the second level, can we see Kyle Lewis play a little bit? Um, beside Eric Hallett, I'm interested to see Javon McIntyre. Had a phenomenal day out there in Miami Gardens a month ago. What can he do this time out? I'm really looking forward to seeing him. And then the corners will stay the same. On offense, let's see what Nick Patty's got. And I think this is the key. He's got to be able to throw the football down the field because that's where UCLA has been burnt consistently this year. You look at their losses consistently. That's where it's come back to bite. Down the field, allowing explosive plays. When they get beat over the top, they can be neutralized in a lot of ways because they aren't really that good of a secondary. And that's been something that has repeatedly come up in this game that I have looked at, man. Pitt has an explosive passing offense. That has been one thing to me that has always remained very underrated about this Pitt team. Are they really that good as an offense? No, they're probably pretty average. 
But you look at what they actually bring to the table explosively over the top, they had it all year. And especially Jared Wayne being so explosive. That is something to look at. But Pitt is very short-handed. And UCLA might not have Kesmir Allen. And so that's something else to watch. Allen is so explosive and will do so many different things. That's the question, right? But Dorian Thompson-Robinson has been here for so long, knows this offense so well. I mean, Pitt's biggest strength is going to be on that ground game. They're going to be trying to control the ball. They're going to be trying to grind this out. If they can get the run game going a little bit and then play action, hit over the top, that's their way to win here. At least limit the run game on the other side of the ball. They're going to have to win this one in a pretty ugly fashion. I'm talking, you know, 21-17-ish where they really drag UCLA into the mud with them. That's going to be the question. Can they do this? I'm not sure, but they are going to be in a position. If you look at UCLA, they're going to be in a position here to completely blow Pitt out if they play to their ability. The question is, will they play to their ability? Pitt has had so many guys opt out. It's a huge opportunity for Pitt, of course, to potentially win this game. This could get them to 9-4. and four. If they beat UCLA this shorthanded, man, they deserve to be in the top 25. Two straight top 25 finishes would be huge for Pitt's program especially with all the recruiting momentum we're starting to see kind of leak into the 2024 class, starting out with two four-stars. But they're going to have to overcome a lot here. But they're going to need to control the line of scrimmage. They're going to need to really slow down the explosive playmakers for UCLA. And they're going to have to throw the ball over the top. The stakes are high in this game. They have a chance. It's just going to be a really tough one with all the guys they're missing. But we'll see if Pitt can pull this out. Prediction, I'll say UCLA wins this one 38-24. I think Pitt will actually give them a decent game, but I just don't see the defense being able to stop this explosive offense. If they can, man, that's a really promising sign for what Pitt can maybe do next year, um, in my opinion. But you look now for Pitt men's basketball. And let's talk about this. Dior Johnson is reinstated. He's not going to play this year, though. He's going to redshirt, which is very interesting to me, kind of in the verbiage of with it has been kind of enabled. And the interesting thing to me is that you look at Pitt's roster, and one thing that they have been missing is a little bit more guard depth. Like Nike Sabandi hasn't been super consistent. He's been up and down and kind of – ebbing and flowing throughout his year. And you never really know what you're going to get from Nike Sabandi. Some days he shows up, he's just awesome. And this guy is exactly what they needed. And other times he just isn't and Pitt has to stick with their three-guard lineup. And so it, it's tough to kind of place what Pitt could use, but they could have really used another guard here, a ball handling guard at that and Dior Johnson. He's not going to play this year, though. I think, and, and, and listen, I don't have any inside sources on this, or anything, but this does read to me like a season-long suspension for the most part. He just gets to practice with his teammates. Um, that's really how this reads to me. Um, and, and I don't know if Dior Johnson even stays next year. He could transfer. So I look at this and I'm like, whatever. Um, if he is not playing next year, it is what it is. 
Um, if he is not going to play next year, it is what it is. I, I think we're all expecting him to not be here next year at this point. And so would it have been nice to have him back as a player? Yes. But he did plead guilty to what he pled guilty to. And more importantly, you look at kind of the whole situation at hand. And there's a lot of questions that bring that are brought up about it. And it feels like, you know, from the comments, Jamarius Burton and Jeff Cable had this whole team came together, had a really deep conversation, decided to let him back into the team. We'll see kind of how he responds to this and everything. Obviously not playing this year. So Pitt's not going to have Dior Johnson. They're just going to have to trudge forward um, with the team. And, and so let's talk about that a little bit because there are so many variables uh, to this basketball team right now. And they are such an interesting group to look at. Uh, easily the best group in terms of cohesion that we have seen in Jeff Capel's tenure. I'm not sure they're the most talented group. I think you can look to the 2020 team uh, as probably the most talented group before that all blew up, right? Xavier Johnson, Adis, Tony. Uh, you had all those guys there. You had John Hewley, Justin Champagny. It was a really good group of guys that you could have made a run with if they were cohesive together, basically. But that team obviously blew up for things off the court. But this group this year looks like they want to play together, and they play as a unit. Their ball movement is great. They can shoot, which is huge. They don't always shoot well, but, man, they are making almost nine threes per game. That's the second most in the ACC right now, only behind NC State, who is obviously a sharpshooting team, and Pitt already has the win over them. Um, I feel like just starting out 2-0 in conference has been so huge for Pitt, even though you know they nearly blew that game in Syracuse, and they really shouldn't have. You just saw the fortitude of the team, the mental aspect of it, the, the veteran aspect of it. It's really hard to recreate this guard ecosystem next year. But this guard group right now is playing really well together, and they're playing like they want to play together. And I think that has been such just a just a wonderful kind of surprise for everybody. And, and you look at the different groups of guys on this team, like look at Nelly Cummings. I mean, this guy has been amazing since his rough first part of the year. Really, once they left Barclays Center in New York, he's been awesome. He's been awesome. Like, I think Nelly Cummings has been great. He was awesome in Syracuse. He was really good against NC State. He's been kind of that glue guy, if you will, that's brought everything together. And then you look at Greg Elliott, who's just been shooting the lights off the building. Um, and and that, he's been so good. He's been a good 3 and D guy can create off the dribble, driving on the baseline. He's not really super creative with his shot, but he can catch and shoot. And then if you're going to close him out aggressively, he'll drive and make the floater. Um, That's really all he needs to do. And he plays good defense. So Pitt has a, a valuable player in Greg Elliott, really team-oriented, really good leader. Uh, you look at Jamari's Burton as well. Uh, he's just a physical dude, man. Not every matchup is going to be perfect for Jamari Burton. He's dealing with that knee issue, of course, that just seems to be popping up every now and then. And you really don't know how to react to that. But when he's on, he's been great this year, too. His physicality to really just bury himself towards the hoop, make that mid-range jump, and bring in kind of that third element to everything. It's been very, very nice to see. And so that three-guard group is playing really well together. And then you have Sabandi. They need to get Nike Sabandi going. Um, but you look at the big situation, man. Look at look at Blake Henson playing his tail off. Best player on the team this year. He could shoot three from 35% clip. That's good. 
Doesn't need to shoot it much more than that. He can back you up in the post game. He can beat you out in the mid-range game. He can come down with his athleticism, hop up and, and finish with his dunks. He's really good defense. Uh, defensively rotating as a 4-5, even out to the 3 position, uh, can defend out onto the perimeter. He's really been one heck of a find. I mean, really, really good player is Blake Henson. Uh, he's heading towards an all-conference you know, selection right now. Um, you look at Fede Federico, find of the year. I mean, this is a Juco guy that was wanted by Bob Huggins, was originally committed to Oklahoma State before he went the Juco route. These are high majors that really wanted him. These are really good teams, really good coaches that wanted Fede Federico, and Jeff Cable ends up getting him. He's got really good hands. He's he's able to finish at the rack. He's a good shot blocker. He's mobile enough to run the floor. He is 100% an extremely solid center, and he looks awesome. Only a sophomore right now. Uh, the Diaz-Graham twins, I think Jorge has shown some really solid things. Uh, thus far this year, he's not quite there yet, but as a potential guy, man, love that guy. Um, and, and the only real qu- big question that you have right now is, man, what's going on with John Hughley? And I don't think we know about that yet. Uh, maybe he wasn't fully healthy when he came back. Maybe there's some mental stuff. Maybe they're letting him get in shape. It could be any of those things. You just hope he's okay, and whenever he's ready to return, he returns. Uh, because Pitt's going to need John Hughley down the stretch to make a real run at this thing. They're going to need a good John Hughley. Um, to do that, the question is, are they going to get that? And I don't know. And, and so it's really going to be the question and the biggest thing coming into the rest of this year as they really get into the meat of this ACC schedule. It's going to be so big for them. I mean, you have North Carolina into Duke. Uh, I mean, in a, in a Virginia, then you have Clemson into Duke. Um, it's a really, really tough four-game stretch for Pitt. We're going to find out a lot about this team. Um, but they're cohesive right now. They're able to shoot the ball. They can play some really good defense. They're inconsistent at times, and they're definitely not talented enough to where they can be that lackadaisical like they were near the end of that game against Syracuse. But they are 2-0 in the ACC. They're setting themselves up quite nicely to potentially be a, an interesting team down in February. And I think that's all really you can ask for from Pitt right now is, man, I, NIT – Something like that, I think, makes a lot of sense for this team. They're cohesive enough, and they're able to go out every night, and you feel like they're able to really compete with most teams. Now, North Carolina is going to be really tough because this is a really good team that's starting to round into form. Um, and, you know, they beat Michigan. Michigan doesn't look that good. That's obviously a, a real skimmer on Pitt's resume to me. Um, that Michigan team does not look that good, and Pitt really got their butts kicked by that Michigan team at the Barclays Center. And there are, are other games where if you're pit, you wanted the back. Vanderbilt, VCU, you wanted those games back. But you also look at Pitt against UNC, and maybe they have that puncher's chance. They shoot the lights out, man. Pitt has shot the lights out often in this season. Northwestern, where they just dominated that game. Um, they, they shot well and played a really good cohesive defensive game against North Carolina State. Um, and then Syracuse, in that 30 minutes, they were awesome in that game. And then they just – let the rails go off. So can they get back on? And I think that's the main thing. And they're going to have to play their, probably their best cohesive 40 minutes of basketball they have played just about all year. Um, it's going to be a really tough game. And I don't know how they're going to slow down Armando Baycott. You know, Fede Federico, for as good as he's been, has had a propensity to get into foul trouble. And when you're facing Armando Baycott, that's such a tough ask, right? I mean, you just look at UNC's team. 
And they are a really solid group that has started to really round into form. And they have Leaky Black and R.J. Davis and all these really good players on their team. They are really starting to get into where they needed to. And Caleb Love and Pete Nance, and you look at the roster, there's just a complete roster that can defend the one through the five out to the perimeter. They really have been a very solid team. And so you look at just all the guys they have. DeMarco Dunn, I mean, this is a really complete team right now. And it's tough to kind of pinpoint where Pitt can win. But the only equalizer you can absolutely, without a doubt, point to is their shooting. Pitt can shoot the lights out when they go right. And so when Pitt comes out potentially trying to win this game, they're going to have to shoot the lights out. Remember, Ithiel Horton had a great game last year. It's going to have to be more than just one guy this year. It's going to have to be Greg Elliott. It's going to have to be Nelly Cummings. Probably Burton and Henson are going to have to hit a few, right? And and they're going to have to keep Fede Federico out of foul trouble just to slow down Baycott. Uh, Baycott's going to get his in this game. And, and it's been proven this year that big men have been able to get theirs against Pitt's bigs this far. Um, but they can't let Armando Baycott go for 30-20, right? They can't let him go for 30-15, um, which is possible in this game. Uh, they can't let him do what Hunter Dickinson did to them completely in that game. This has to be a game where Pitt just fights and claws, stays close, and then they can maybe get a puncher's chance there at the end. And it's going to be a game where we're going to really find out how big Pitt is, how ready Pitt is to maybe take that next leap into everything, right? And so Baycott finally getting healthy in his last four games. You look at the stats, 22.3 points per game, 11 rebounds, shooting 56% from the field. I mean, he is really doing well. And that was against Hunter Dickinson where he scored 26 against Ohio State, put up 28-15. He has been amazing recently. And so we're, we're really going to kind of have to see what Pitt can do this year. Um, I mean – 3-0 and for the first time since, what, 2015-16, I think, for this pit team. That would be huge for them. Um, they are really, really starting to feel it, and they've shot the ball well. So we're going to see kind of how they can equalize it. But Pitt right now leading the league in rebounds. Um, they, they average 12 per game. They're super, super efficient, but we're going to see how UNC responds to that because they're third. So it's it's kind of the question of, how does Pitt bring everything together? I mean, you're going to be facing a really deep group, a group that's athletic, a group that can do a lot of different things. So it's it's going to be a big test for Pitt. We're going to find out if they can pull it off. All right, folks, as always, thank you for listening to the Locked on Pitt podcast. As always, make sure to subscribe down below. And as we end it, as always, hail to Pitt.